Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Welcome to Slamfire Radio episode 252 for April 12th, 2018. I'm one of your hosts, Brian the Conquistador. And I'm Adriel the Hunting Gear Guy. Alrighty. So, and it's just us because, mm. yeah, there was problems. Yeah, I think uh, Trevor was bitten by a rabid duck. I'm pretty sure that's what uh, his Voxer message said. That, that's what he said, but maybe he's just feeling shame because he did not do the winning on the weekend. Maybe. I mean, Captain Andy apparently does not feel shame. Captain oh. Andy cooled out and happy, but Trevor, maybe not as much. Normally, like, this would be throwing shade, but I, th- I think you did pretty good on the weekend. So, uh, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I got lucky. Yeah, that's, that's what, about, uh, what about Kelly? Where is she? What's her excuse? Um, I got a message said, send lawyers, guns, and money. So I don't know what mm. happened. She was in Arkansas with a llama. Grand theft llama. That's know. what happened. <laughs> yes. They take yes. their llama theft serious in Arkansas. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's why I, she needs the guns and the money. She's going to break out of prison because, uh, grand theft llama is like, you're looking 20 to life. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, I do know, though, for the listeners, um, that Kelly will not be at a Maple Seed event this weekend because they canceled it because we're supposed to have the mother of all crappy ice storms uh, this weekend. So they've said "Uh, enough. They don't want people actually hurting themselves getting to the event. And I'm guessing they don't want to have participants encrusted in ice laying on the ground during an ice storm. That might be fun, though. That would be funny. Funny for people watching. Yeah. From the warmth of anywhere, but being there. Trust me, mm. I know about shooting in the cold and the snow. It's not as fun as it sounds. Yeah. I love shooting in the cold and the snow. Uh, you're, well, that's why <laughs> we call you Frosty. That's how it's, it's not because you're pale. It's because you actually like the snow. You're strange that way. Surely to God, you are actually tired of winter, though. Oh yeah! Oh, I'm I'm tired of this 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 year's winter. I'm done. I'm ready for some springish conditions. <laughs> I would take some. I would take some sloppy mud right now. <laughs> it was it was like 15 last year this time, and it's like minus 10, minus eight. It's still miserable. It's snowing today. It's like ah. Uh... Yeah, it's yeah. it's not good. Um, it's yeah, the weather's almost as bad as your audio tonight. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, my audio. Yeah, oh yeah, you're breaking up all over the place. Oh, okay. Well, I'm recording from my side, and I sound fantastic. So you do. I'm all good. You're right. So, and that's what the listeners need is you to sound fantastic. That's, that's <laughs> what we're so we, we should talk about what we've done in guns, um, and that, as always, is brought to us by the Calgary Shooting Center, Canada's premier firearms retailer. This week, they are featuring Bravo Company gunfighter charging handles, saving 
$30. I like Bravo Company. They're they're decent charging handles. They're I've been thinking about getting a, a bigger charging handle. The uh, charging handle I have on my rifle is just a regular little one. And uh, I kind of want Ooh, a big yeah. meaty one to grab onto. Yeah, bigger is to, to some point there's is better. There's a there's a sweet spot in there. You can get ridiculous and they become problematic. But I don't think so much for three gun because you're not really running around with a gun slung and it doesn't get hung up on stuff. You when you're done shooting your rifle, you throw it away. Well, if you were to throw it away into a bin and catch your charging handle, that might be a bad thing because then your gun might fall out or do something weird. That's yeah. Or, or the charging handle could break. Cause it's not really meant to support the weight of your rifle while it's being chucked. <laughs> you know, <in> <laughs> real risk, a real not... risk in three gun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, I don't know the whole idea of, yeah, I'm done with this firearm. I'm going to now just, just discard it. It <laughs> seems again, it goes against a lot of logic, I, but I understand why, mm-hmm. but it seems odd. Okay, cool. Um, so, why don't you get started then with what you've done in guns? Okay, well, mine's going to be really quick. Um, I did a silicon carbide job on my Browning A5 forend. So I, I think I showed the listeners uh, my Glock. It's uh, more of a black. It was very coarse uh, grit on that one. Very coarse. And uh, um, what I ended up doing, I ordered some 60 screen it's 60 grit uh stuff off of uh off ebay this would have been green stuff so green has more coke in it it's oxidized and better but it's green and i did like a little stripe kind of thing on my uh browning a5 so um, I was watching some video of uh, of the last shoot I had, and uh, my forehand was bouncing around in my hand a little bit, so I put a strip of uh, sparkly green sandpaper uh, on the side of my uh, gun, basically. Same same deal as, as I did with the Glock. Uh, strip of epoxy, um, sprinkle this stuff on like uh, sprinkles on uh, ice cream, and, uh, you know, wait a day and you're good to go. So it's... Uh, the grit on this is just about perfect. So if you're looking to do this yourself, 60 grit is fantastic. It's not too chunky. Like I think the stuff on my uh, Glock is a little bit too chunky. Uh, even even this 60 grit though, like moving my hand on it, I feel afterwards, I feel it. And it's like, oh, some of the grit's coming off. And you look at your hand and it's like, nope, your hand's coming off. <laughs> the gun, There's no parts of the gun that are moving. Your hand is coming off, uh, just touching the gun. But uh that's good. I don't care. I mean, this is competition gear. This is not meant to be like high comfort stuff. I'm not going to like hike through a swamp uh, to go shoot ducks or geese with this thing. This is uh, this is a, a, a three gun tool. So I am uh, making it as such. Nice. Yeah, I like it. And I like how you explain the reason for it because it totally wrecked my joke about great. You'll be able to slide the action on your pump gun so much better. But <laughs> yeah, then, yeah, way to go. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of the, like, it's not that that target loads in shotgun uh, recoil a lot, but when you're shooting a lot, that recoil, like, starts to add up kind of a thing, and uh, sometimes oh, yeah. it's jumping around. Um, so a little bit of, a little bit more grip on that forehand uh, is a nice thing. Um, I might still do the, the, um, the, the grip for your right hand. I'm just, I'm not sure, because when I, when I weak hand reload, I need to spin this thing in my hand. So I'm just not sure how much surface I want to do and if I want to do it. Um, because being able to move your hand around in the grip 
isn't a bad thing. So I don't know if I'm going to do that one or not. You you are such a rightist. You, yeah, the grip for my right hand. How about the strong hand or your dominant hand? How about anything be, you know being left, right, neutral? Oh no, no, no. Let's take a little shot at the lefties while you're. My, my pronoun for my firearms is right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but I, yeah, I agree because you do have to do a lot of manipulation there. You probably don't want a bunch of extra grip, um, but it would it would definitely make sense to have it on the forehand. Like your hand gets sweaty, like in the heat, it's it's mm-hmm. going to be a problem. And then when you're shooting in the winter, would you would you have a glove on that hand or do you leave your hands free so you can fully manipulate things? No, nah, even in minus twenty five, I take my gloves off. Like I'll leave my I'll leave gloves on or I'll put my hands in my pockets to keep them nice and warm. And then as soon as it's time, as soon as it's showtime, I pull a jacket off and I'll shoot with a jacket, like with no jacket, with just a sweater on, even in minus 25. But yeah. like immediately after I'm done shooting, I put that jacket back on. Yeah, you should get one of the tact- tactical mufflers like I had. Uh, this oh, weekend. yeah. I was looking at that. Yeah. How many holes does that thing have in it? Three? Two? Uh, no, two. <laughs> plus, plus, actually, it's got a window so you can sit there with your cell phone in your, in your hand warmer and... You know, because that's important when you're hunting. You should have your head down, not looking at game. You should be looking at Facebook or social media. Oh, guilt, guilty, guilty as charged. <laughs> I look at my phone way too much hunting these days. Oh. <laughs> well, honestly, that's the last time I went deer hunting. I'm like, wow, I'm freezing cold and I'm dealing with work emails. I should oh. just be at work getting paid to deal with work emails instead of freezing my butt off here. About, is, I'm not doing it right. About five years ago, I went out on the first day you could get out at out uh deer hunting i uh, i went up to a stand i rattled i got onto my blackberry it was, it was still really early and i started texting uh or, or not even texting emailing back then because texting wasn't a thing people didn't like get it um so i started emailing someone i looked up and there was a deer 10 yards right there <laughs> looking at me <laughs> watching me uh, email people on my blackberry um, so I shot him, but, uh, yeah, it's, a <laughs> it's a, it's a distraction you don't really need. And, uh, I should probably stop doing that, but, uh, yeah, no, I know, but yeah. we, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, now when I'm, you know, hunting with a group, you have your phone so you can keep in touch with the rest of your hunting party. So you got to kind of have it and then yeah, I'm doing it wrong. So, and then you yeah. get on Reddit or Facebook and it's like, oh man, yeah, there goes a half an hour. Anyways. Um, yeah. let's see here. I ordered a, sh- uh, a holster for the shadow. I, Man, I think I'm going to get a Shadow 2. I think I'm going to get a Shadow 2. Okay. Uh, I don't really now, need what, one. What's, what's the difference? Uh, I know that the, the Shadow 2 comes with adjustable sights and the Shadow does not. What other... I don't care about adjustable sights whatsoever. Okay, um, fair. It's, so the trigger supposed to be really good. Um, it's a lot heavier. So the shadow one is 1.1 kilos. The shadow two is 1.36. So it's, uh, it's quite a bit heavier there. Um, and it's better. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's undercut on the, uh, trigger guard. So your, okay. your hand can come up a little bit higher and it's uh, cut a little bit more in at the back there. So your, your hand can squeeze up a little bit more and, uh, take more of that recoil straight back. Um, not much recoil because you're shooting nine millimeter and the thing weighs a ton. Um, but if I get it, I wonder if I would take it to the like logical extreme and put brass grips on it and a funnel and all that stuff. Probably, probably. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Yeah. No, you should, you should do all those things. <sighs> I mean, I've sold a bunch of guns recently, so I suppose I could. 
Yeah, I think I will. I think I'll do that. Mm. And, they, and they're, they're on, there's, there's some of the blue ones are on sale because I guess they're not doing the blue grips anymore. They're going to orange or something like that. So the, some of the blue ones are like eleven ninety nine. It's not bad. It's decent. Yeah. It's decent. It's a decent gun. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I might buy one of those. And then uh and I'm, and I'm sure Trevor will buy your Shadow One. He already said that, I think. Yeah, he did. Yeah. It, it, it this is the deal. He just like sends the paychecks my way and I keep a steady flow of guns going over there. Not bad. Uh, yeah. It's a good deal for me. Um let's see. Oh, I got a I got a response on CGN for the uh Nork nineteen eleven. Uh, let's see here. The response is, uh, I want that 1911 spray tanned by Yolanda, then signed by her and the legendary motif saying Trevor sucks. So I think that might be a listener. I think that might be someone that, uh, that it's knows possible. the show. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's completely possible. It would be a very strange request for just a random CGNer to, uh, to ask for that. Well, Trevor, Trevor is pretty famous. Mm, infamous? It's, well, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> They're the same thing, right? Uh, kind of. No, no. Well, in Trevor's case, yes. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. So, and it's been widely established on the interwebs that he sucks. I'm not sure how that got started, but it is. I just roll with it. You could Google yeah. it and you'll probably find stuff. You pro- I probably could. I mean, he's not here to defend himself, so it must be true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's it. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, it was a it was a short week for me. Uh, what about you? Well, um, I had a, a short but good week. Um, I picked up a new sponsor. Uh, Matador Arms is now sponsoring me for the shooting season, so I will be uh, shooting some of their products, and I'll have swag of theirs to hand out at events. So um, the first product i'll be using actually is their flares their new flare stack muzzle device it's a combination compensator and flash suppressor so i'll be putting that on my service rifle rifle and um then the the stinger that i ran last year will go on my short shorty four and a half, 14 and a half inch ctb gun because that's where i really kind of want to be able to have a break sometimes and cover that up other times so the, the stinger is really more suited to that anyway um Let's see, then I went out in a crazy snowstorm to shoot rimfire at crazy distances. Um, we had the in, inaugural uh, Canadian Precision Rimfire Series match this past weekend in Owen Sound. Um, luckily, we got a snowstorm the, the day before and the day of. Like, it was whiteout conditions driving to the event, which was awesome. And we actually had the wind... The, the snow came down so hard in the afternoon, we had to stop shooting because we couldn't even see the targets at like 100 yards. They vanished. So, and we, um, yeah, it was a little extreme. Now, the the snow was good in that it was a great wind flag. You could you could tell, you know, where the wind was blowing and which direction. You could tell when it switched from left to right in a driving horizontal snow. It was, yeah, it was cool. Um, let's see. So the event had about 10 stages didn't have about 10 stages it has exactly 10 stages uh the ranges were from about 75 yards to 325 and we shot just under 100 rounds we had just under 20 competitors um who showed up um overall things went pretty decent my dope worked well um it's really important when you're shooting these types of events prs events whatever uh use the dope 
for the correct stage. I'm pretty like, sure that's uh, not legal in Canada just yet, but uh, well, I heard in June or July. Dope. Yeah, oh, anyway. okay. Because um, yeah. I was using a risk coach. So I would write down my adjustments for a given stage and put it in the risk coach. And, and I thought I'd be smart and I'll use both sides of the piece of paper and realizing that after that stage, I just take the piece of paper, flip it over and use the other side, take it out, use the other side at the next stage. Yeah. That was the part I missed. So as I completely zeroed a stage because I was using the dope for a previous stage on it and I didn't realize until I was done, I was like, ah, oh, no way. So yeah, I totally missed I totally zeroed one stage doing that. So that's, now, and zeroing a stage, not highly recommended. Not the best way to win an event. Zero, nope. eight, zero is never the optimal score. Usually, you should get, you should go for some points per stage. Yeah, 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 no, it was it was good. And luckily, we had a bit of a just because of my mental, I was I was losing it at myself about it. Uh, the arrow did let me at least shoot after everyone else was done. I got to go back and, and shoot a couple of rounds just to verify that I could actually hit the targets if I used the right dope. So it made me made me, made me fine. I was I was cool about that. Um, there was another stage where something went kind of wonky and uh, I, I timed out or something, and then I you know I got the 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 command to unload and show clear. He, the RO didn't specify how I was supposed to unload. So dumping the rest of the mag down range was the way that I chose to unload it. It, it, it was fine. It was, again, I didn't buy it. Disqualified. No, no, no. He didn't say and remove the magazine. He just said unload and choke there. So I did. I unloaded. <laughs> that was very nice of him not to disqualify you as he should have. Well, and he, yeah, one of those things. <laughs> it's I don't. I highly don't recommend it either. But everyone kind of looked and went, "Yeah, okay, we know what happened. That's it's fine." So um, I also learned that uh, it's okay to hold off for wind using the edge of a target, but as your target gets smaller, you should stop doing that because eventually you run out of adjustment because the edge that you're holding gets closer to the middle, and then you start missing on the other side of the target. So I learned that kind of the hard way too. So there was a few lessons. Lessons are good. It's good to learn things, and in the process of learning things i uh i kind of won the event i did i did the most goodest or the least baddest <laughs> i was yeah so i took the uh I, I took the overall and in in and in, in the open division um i beat all the other podcasters who were there so that was a number one podcast host at canadian precision rim fire it's it's possible that I beat the entire cast of the the uh, Canadian uh, some other show podcast. some yeah, other show some other show yeah, yeah. that's it's possible I, mm. actually they they did well actually yes I I edged the uh, the rest of the podcast uh, by just a few points so uh, they they all shot pretty decent and um, there wasn't a big gap between production and open class in this event uh, for sure so, most of you guys running semis or bolts or um, most bolts, uh, I think probably the largest number of rifles was, uh, Savage Mark twos and then yeah. followed by uh 1022s. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we did make the observation of the, the one production production shooter, uh, beware the man with the shiny bolt knob. He's, he spent some time using that rifle. <laughs> if he's worn <laughs> the anodizing right off it. So he, he took the, uh, production uh, title and, and yeah, again, he wasn't very far, far behind uh, us in open class. So, so that was good. Um, so yeah, that was cool. I got this cool, cool metal. There it is. Ah, cool. 
Yeah, I like it. It's it's good because there's been some people chirping at me, you know, from the event. Uh, uh, Chris, I know you're watching, and my response was, "I can't hear you over the sound of my metal." <laughs> you know that there, there's been so many uh, things that I've learned from watching the Facebook group of of the uh, um, CRPS. It's CRPS, right? Um, CPRS. Yeah. CPRS. Okay. Um, yeah. Are you sure. I don't know. Anyways, I've learned so much from it. Uh, just, just wa- yeah, CRPS. I've learned so much from from just watching the uh, uh, Facebook group there, and I've I've stolen many ideas. <laughs> There's one that you guys that that was on the Facebook group uh, just recently where uh, they they ask for opinions on like what was your favorite stage afterwards, and I'm like, oh yeah, I like that. I'm stealing that idea. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's pretty well organized. Uh, yeah. Rick, uh, does a good job and, and it, it was a really smooth event. Um, it ran well. He had lots of, lots of help. We had dedicated ROs for the event, which, which made things go really, really smooth. All the scoring was done on practice score, which for the most part worked really, really slick. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we had, you know, the, we had figured out who won within about, you know, two, three minutes after the event finished and we had the results sent back to us within, you know, right after dinner. So that was, that was good. It was a great, it was a great way to, to spend the day. Um, there was also a, um, a YouTube video guy there. He shot video for the whole event. Um, and I forget the name of it. I, if, if any of you are friends on Facebook, you'll, you'll see it. I've posted it there. It's been kind of spread around. Um, so that, that was cool. So it got, got people to kind of see a little bit what, what, what we're up to. So that was, uh, that was neat. Um, uh, also, was Rick taking photos there as well? Rick was taking photos and he had other uh, people taking photos and the, the camera worked this time. The camera was, was awesome <laughs> this time. Well, I noticed, uh, yeah, I noticed some really nice photos of you that you had posted yeah. on there. So it's like, ah, oh, that must be Rick or, or one of those guys taking some well, photos. Yeah. He, he makes it, he actually it wasn't all Rick, but, uh, when the camera was set up properly, as opposed to not properly for the last event, it totally wasn't Kelly's fault that there was no pictures from the previous event, but it's funnier to blame her. So we're going to just stick with that. This just <laughs> roll with it. So, yeah. And a quick, uh, I have to give a shout out to uh, my buddy Greg, uh, who was at the event. He gave me a 20 MOA rail for my 1022. Um, he insisted that it was a gift because he said, Trevor gets all kinds of free crap and now it's my turn. So I'm good with that. It's, you know, it's a little bit of vindictiveness in it. I'm, I'm, I'm all, I'm all <laughs> down with that. It's all. It kind of goes with my nickname that Rick gave me at the event. He decided that I am now BB Hate. I think I think that works for me. I can I can roll with the hate. It's all, it's all good. There we go. All right. Whew. Good thing Trevor wasn't on because that was a long chat about what I did. So, all right. We should get on to upcoming events. Adriel, have you got any cool new three gun stuff you want to talk about? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay, the first one is Chaz Three Guns doing an event on April twenty first. <laughs> so uh, I was I was talking with you at the uh, uh, just at the break here. Um, we just started doing practice score this year, and it, it's like we're getting a crazy amount of interest in Three Gun this year. L- last year, the year before, the year before that, it was just like kind of show up and uh, you're ready to rock and roll. Uh, this year, we decided to go to practice score and like try to um, standardize a lot of stuff. 
and uh, and we're getting crazy uh, amounts of response. Last year, we never got any event over 40 people. Um, this year, our first match was uh, 47, uh, which is too much. So we capped it at 40, and uh, we've got a wait list of like 20 people for this thing. And I opened uh, the, the next uh, month's one opened automatically because it's, uh, it's 30 days from today. It opened this morning at 8, and it was full by 11, which... Wow is not what's supposed to happen with a three gun match. So yeah, we gotta, we gotta figure out how to, how to accommodate more shooters. Cause uh, there's a, there's a ton of interest in this thing. Um, you know, I think three guns fun. So anyways, well, I wonder like, did the news get out that you had to turn people away last year or did you actually turn people away? We or did, did not turn away make- people last year or the year before is just show up and, okay. and you're in. Okay. All right. We didn't even, even- had too many- too many people but yeah no we like we, we never had like but our years before we didn't have too many people right. um our first match this year it was like whoa wait a minute <laughs> 47 <laughs> that's a lot of people how are we gonna how are we gonna you know uh allocate for that how are you gonna design stages for that right because you need to design you know shorter and shorter stages if you have too many people and not enough base right so um you know we're we're, we're trying to adjust to this uh this new normal of like a ton of people being really really interested in it um, I think we're going to try to get some more uh, skills and drills, like training days kind of thing as well, just to get some of the new guys to get to get their skill level up so that uh, when they show up, they shoot faster as well. Um, because that'll help that'll help with our overall day's time as well if if um, everyone's a little bit better at uh, at shooting three-gun and a little bit more practiced, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we found the thing, same thing with CQB. Like, as the years went on, everyone just got more efficient at doing all the stuff they needed to do to get ready to shoot. And it was just... It just just went off really fast. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So if you can up the, the, um, skill level of everyone or the comfort level of everyone with shooting at an event, then, uh, uh, it all goes much faster. Uh, let's yep. see here. Mighty Peace three gun is, is having a, an event same day. Uh, that'll be at the Wapiti shooters club in grand Prairie. Lakeland three gun, uh, is the weekend after April 28th. Oh, I should go to that one. Valcartier Multigun is on April 28th. That'll be on uh, practice score as well. Medicine Hat will have a match on April 28th. Lethbridge will have one on April 29th. And yeah, that's enough. That's that's all of April. So that's uh, there's a lot of a lot of three gun matches. Um, it's it's kind of funny. It, it's it's very much like a Western thing. Aside from Valcartier, all of those are in Alberta or BC. So they're all kind of. Uh, all kind of in my neck of the woods, so it's uh, it's good for me. <laughs> I'm kind of like stuck right in the middle. I got I can go south, I can go to a match, I can go east to a match, I can go north to a match, northwest, west. It's like matches all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I wonder I wonder why that is because I, I don't hear about a lot of three gun events in Ontario. I know they're happening, but there's there's also just like a pure shotgun leak in in yes. Ontario. They're, yeah, you have that so, uh, OAS right? The yeah, Ontario like Action yeah, yeah. Shotgun so, Shooters something something yeah the, yeah the the patriot podcast guys are involved in it i i don't i don't know i don't actually own a shotgun right now so and mm. i don't have any more time to t- fit in another sport so yeah yeah i mean me. i i like the the shotgun aspect of three gun but i also like everything else i like i like the uh the leveling up of the different bars right you got like three bars your pistol shooting your rifle shooting your shotgun and and trying to like i'll bring those all up and uh you know work on the one that you suck at the most. <laughs> it's kind yeah, of fun. Well, yeah. And we got to see you shoot last year at the charity event and you shot really well. I was, I was like, wow. Yeah. He's no slouch. So 
decent. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Um, All right. Yeah. Anyways, that's. Uh, I think that's it for three gun. All right. Um, CFB Kingston Pistol Challenge uh, is on in support of Soldier On. That's on May 5th. Uh, it's $30 for members. Uh, guests are $50. Guests have to be either military or law enforcement. There's door prizes uh, and a lunch. You can contact the base Kingston Shooting Club at gmail.com for details. Uh, one of the things I pulled off of their Facebook page is that frangible ammo is required since they're shooting at steel mm. targets and so at close I, range. Yeah. Different. Yeah. Different type of event. I've run into one of those before. And since I'm not military or law enforcement, I won't be going. So, but if you're interested in supporting soldier on at a pistol event, get after it. Go and have some fun. I was looking up the cost of frangible ammo after our last episode where we we're talking about lead there. And uh, in the States, it's surprisingly inexpensive. You can get fran- like bulk frangible ammo uh, for your AR uh, for mm-hmm. you know mo- more than your, your typical blaster ammo, but not that much more. Like for a Ooh. $50 or $75 premium for 1000 mm. No, that's... It's not, that's not out of the realm. And that's for like, obviously 55 grain fringeables. So yes. Yeah. Just blaster yeah. ammo, but, uh, kind of neat, kind of neat. You know, I, I was thinking like, you know, if you're going to do a, a three gun course or something like that and have some really close steel, you could do it. You just need to yeah. buy a crate of that and like include it in the match fee or something. Right. Yeah. Everybody gets their box and, and off they go. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it, the, the trick is you have to make sure people don't accidentally or deliberately not load the, the frangible when they're supposed to load frangible. So oh, you just DQ them. Yeah, well, yeah, but it'd be nice to DQ them without having your steel, steel shot to crap first. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a risk with uh, uh shotgun targets. So with, with yeah. shotgun and three gun, there's the risk that someone might put a slug into <laughs> like a really close target, which is not a dangerous thing. It's like this, the, the lead from the slug just shatters when it hits air, air 500. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's not good for some steel targets to be hit from like 10 yards away with a one ounce slug. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. uh, actually, um, demolition ranch is, a uh, kind of a semi-famous YouTuber and, uh, uh, he got DQ'd from one of his three gun matches on, on, on YouTube, uh, from putting a slug into a, a pretty close target. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it happens. happens. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's, it's all about management of, uh, your equipment. Yeah. Um, for last year course, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. You Have bet. Some yeah. Solid updates. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the update is that we're going to use the private range near St. Paul, uh, that we used, uh, not last year, but the year before, uh, it's a pretty killer setup. Uh, there'll be camps like, when I say campsites, there's going to be a field right next to the range. So <laughs> if you want to haul your trailer out to St. Paul, if you're driving up from Calgary or something like that, or, or Saskatchewan, uh, there's a there's a, a field where you can park your trailer. And uh, the range is a ext- an extremely short walk uh, from where you'd be camping. Uh, so really excited to get there. And the nice thing about a private range, too, is that um, there's not really any other, anyone else shooting. So if you want to, you can take your protection off and, and talk in a normal voice and you don't have to be like getting shots, uh, you know, uh, yeah. kind of, uh, competing with you when you're, when you're trying to talk to talk about things. So, uh, that's happening. Uh, we're also going to have a pub night at Brewster's the Thursday or Friday or something like that, uh, in Ed- uh, West Edmonton. Um, we'll have more details on that stuff as, as we get closer here. 
Awesome. Okay, uh, we will put in a quick reminder here about the third annual Running to Groot Memorial Steel Challenge that's being held on June 2nd at the Restigouche, sorry Trevor, Restigouche Gun Club, uh, USPSA Steel Challenge rules and stages, $20 fee, registration is at 10 a.m. For more info, email restigouchegunclub at gmail.com. I'm going to trip over that word all day. My ability to pronounce French is poor. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's not even a French French pronunciation. Yeah, anyway, um, Trevor can talk about this. And again, and Trevor should be here to cover this. So it's his fault, listeners. My, yeah. You're mm. doing him a favor, mispronouncing I, his club's name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not much of a favor. Yeah. And the cherry shoot, July 5th and 7th. You've heard about it a lot. Let's come donate money to the Dalhousie Regional High School Breakfast Program and have a whole lot of fun. Shoot some maple seed. Yeah. It, we'll talk about it again later. Cool. No doubt. Uh, the stuff below here is more about the Ferlachi. Yeah, it's it's uh, July 14th and 15th uh, in the St. Paul area, which is just east of uh, Edmonton, and they'll be camping there. So if you want to camp or whatever, that's uh, that's cool. All right, cool. Um, all righty. Let's get into the news. Yeah. SLRs may be delayed. Maybe. Uh, I- that's what we've heard, kind of... Um, Calgary Shooting Center has indicated there will be a delay for on delivery until the end of May. Mm-hmm. I haven't really heard anything from the manufacturer yet, but kind of go with that. Yeah. Bit of a delay. Not not terribly unexpected with the delivery of a new product. No. Um, there are, are hiccups, so stuff happens. Well, I mean, you're an engineer. You, you run big projects and, and you know... <laughs> Do you ever run into project delays, even on like a really well planned large project? Well, yeah, but the client always blames me. <laughs> well, that's good because it's your fault. But <laughs> well, yeah, no, but I mean, with, with any manufacturing, and and um, you know, you're 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 always dependent on somebody for something, some parts, raw materials, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and when you're manufacturing, say, a firearm. You actually need 100% of the parts in order to assemble that firearm and be able to ship it out. So even if you've got 99%, you got nothing, really, you know. So I can see stuff stuff happening. So yeah. anyway, it's people will just have to be a little more patient. Hopefully the delay will be uh, minimized and people will be able to get a cool non-restricted receiver in their hands quickly and then build up some kind of cool dream gun. Yeah, sounds like fun, and I'd like I'd love Trevor to be able to actually start using his parts that he has probably still laid out on his floor in his gun room, just waiting, oh, just, just, just waiting, waiting to be screwed onto something. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, new gun stuff. Um, you want to take this first one? Yeah. So we reported on the ATRS um, uh, upper and lower that they were sell that they were uh, coming out with. But we got it wrong. We said that they were coming out with their modern Varminter upper and lower, and, and they're going to sell that separately. But it's not. It's actually a different product. This is called the Modern Sporter. Um, so this is something that uh, that actually a listener had uh, had messaged us about to uh, to correct. And uh, so this is, uh, again, upper and lower, non-restricted. And the update that uh, just happened last week was that uh, they're looking at an FRT within 120 days or less. So they're about uh, four months out from uh, from getting an FRT on this thing. So pretty cool. 
Um, yeah, and, and and news like I, I didn't know that it was uh, uh, anything different than the modern environment here, but I guess it is. So cool, mm-hmm. more uh, more choice out there, and uh, uh, another option for Canadians, right? Yeah, more yeah, more choice is always good. Um, absolutely. Speaking of choice, let's get to the next one. Sig Sauer P226X X5 Limited Edition Black Nugget. Um, wow, this is a crazy <laughs> looking. Okay, so people look up it, look up the Sig Sauer P226, and then pimp it out like gold inlays on the slide, gold trigger gold slide release safety well just hang on for a second i'll, I'll share my screen and yeah uh, like yeah look at that look that at is, that guy there Woo! Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. it is it is um now it's pimped tastefully yeah like that's mm-hmm. that's how i'll say it goodness <laughs> gracious and it's a bargain at forty two hundred dollars plus tax so the X fives are excellent. I don't know if you've uh, if you've had a chance to handle one or shoot one, but yes, uh, I, I have. Oh, yes. they're they're pretty good. Um, and this is yeah a limit limited edition. This is for someone who wants something that's really really unique. Yeah, this would be the definition of bespoke. The actual mm. definition of bespoke, correct? Ah, so this is in the same class as my gun. Ah, I understand now. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, actually, your Norenko at only fifteen hundred dollars is actually a bargain. Like a bargain, people should be all over that. Oh, I bumped the price to two thousand. What's that? Fifteen hundred was too low. I had too much interest. I had to bump the price to two thousand. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Good. (laughs) Good. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Or would you trade it direct for like a Shadow Two? No. I'd sell it no. and buy two Shadow Twos. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. Oh, man, that's bold. All right. Like, um, more like you because it's for three gun. Yeah, Wolverine Supplies has been restocked with Invictus Practical. This is, uh, I really like in- Invictus's uh, shot shell carriers. They're, they're really practical. Um, shot shell carriers within three gun are something that you need. And something that uh, that definitely speeds up uh, your shotgun running. So they've got them. Uh, a lot of this is like I think three guns popular because when uh, when dealers get this stuff in, it goes pretty quick. And at the start of the year, they don't have any. Like it's all gone. So uh, must be selling pretty good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah, and yeah, and the price on decent carriers is not low. It's not a bargain. No. It's not a, a cheap thing to get into, but yeah, no, that's good pers- performing equipment is in demand by people who want good performing equipment. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, are you running like good performing equipment or <laughs> that you, the eBay modified stuff still? Uh, some of it's good. Uh, the, the belt I'm running is, uh, is a double alpha belt. Um, the holsters, all like blade tech stuff, which isn't like super, you know, low drag, high speed stuff. It's just basic, but it's fine. Um, I would say my shotgun is, is, you know, about right for the price point. It's, you know, a $1,500 shotgun just for three gun. So it's, it's not cheap. Um, but yeah, some of my equipment is still pretty inexpensive, uh, cheap and cheerful stuff. Uh, my mag pouches are cheap and cheerful. 
my shot shell carriers are cheap and cheerful and it shows i i broke some tines they've, they've got like a plastic cup kind of thing for for putting the shot shells in and the plastic t- on them has snapped on a on a couple i mean minus 25 and like really reefing on that stuff and it doesn't it doesn't the plastic doesn't like it so one day i'll get some nicer stuff nobody likes it when they're being yanked on at minus 25 like just nothing <laughs> nothing is happy about that it's some albertans no. it would be but you know yeah i know okay all right uh delask arms has an update on their tough 22 i'm not clear what a tough 22 is but they're... it's their 1022 that takes a different style magazine so you can run um oh. regular or extended size uh, magazines again so that the Ruger 1022 uh, Charger came into country and they're like, oh, well, these magazines were clearly made for a pistol. So 10 rounds for everyone. Yes. Uh, but the, te- the Tough 22 does not have a pistol. So it's only a rifle. And uh, therefore, you can run uh, decent sized magazines in them. Okay. And then you yeah. otherwise you still have the same bevy of accessories. And yeah. Stuff. Okay, cool. And yeah. it's got the 1022 reliability. Yeah, I mean, it's they are like the last does does the it's a it, it's by all uh, other means a 1022. Okay, yeah, just a different, just accept a different magazine. Okay, cool. Already, uh, yeah, they might have changed a couple of the other things. I'm not sure. I'm not even sure what the update was. I think it was uh, an update on their magazine manufacturing. Yeah, they're having uh, HC3R produce the magazines, and uh, looks like they're receiving them in June. So. Yeah, coming up. Cool. Uh, let's see. We have Four GT has their three buck shell or shell catchers. Yeah, the brass catchers. Uh, brass catchers. Yes. The yeah. Okay. Awesome. So I don't. Have you tried brass catchers? Like I've got the. Uh, uh, starts with an M. Uh, Midway Midwest. No. I've got a brass cutcher. It's nylon. It's like a mesh kind of a bag. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it melts. <laughs> the brass goes into it and it melts on the plastic. That's uh, not good. Yeah, it's not good. Um, and you have to strap it to the gun. Uh, whereas these yep. three buck ones, uh, you buy an adapter, you put the adapter on the gun. And then when you want the brass catcher on there, you put it on and take it off and, and it's ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. See, I refer to brass catchers as stoppage inducers. So I don't run them at all. Some of them just, do that, but yeah. imagine you're at the range sighting in with your really nice prepped brass that you trimmed and you uniform the flash hider and all this stuff. And instead of saving that brass, you're throwing it 20 feet to the, to the right of you yep. out in the grass. And you can't tell you're two, two, three away from anyone else's. And, uh, you know, if you were to paint it, then that would cause stoppages as well. Because now you got paint flakes like chipping off in your action and going down into your trigger group and whatnot. So, I, okay, my solution is once the brass comes out of my gun, I treat it as if it's somebody else's brass, and I just prep it the same way. I just don't, I don't mess around with trying to sort and keep my brass and keep them separate. Um, you know, like my brass goes in a five-gallon bucket. And then I prep it and yeah, that's just me. That's there's, there's a psychological effect called sunk cost fallacy where you've sunk your cost into it and you like give it more value than you really should. And I suffer from that 
when I prep okay. a two two three brass, it takes a long time, and it it hurts me to lose that brass. So I would rather run crappier ammo than lose the brass I put a lot of time and effort into. That's why I really right. love just running bulk f- fifty five grain stuff because then it throws the brass, and I'm like, eh, I don't care about that brass. See, now, see, you're the type of person I want to shoot service rifle against. <laughs> you're going to save money and, and shoot sh- crappy ammo. So even if you're a better shooter than me, your ammo is going to just fall apart and not, not group well. And, yeah, I just, whatever. Do it's, you think my 55-grain blaster stuff will be good enough for a match out to 300 meters? Um, depends on the wind that day. Mm. Sure. Might be fine. I, you know, And it depends on how big your targets are. Like, like you said, like we talked about last week, if you're just trying to hit steel, okay, giddy up. That's fine. No, no worries. Cause you're not trying to group, you know, two or three MOA. You're trying to hit, you know, the chunk of steel that's 18 inches wide, say, okay, fine. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. matter where you hit it. It all counts the same. So, yeah, I got some know. 70 grain stuff, but then I got to run a different zero and my 55, yes. I can hit, I can hit at 300 on a, on a decent sized plate just over and over and over again. Oh yeah, and there's a lot to be said for that. So don't don't stress out about it. If it's if it's getting you the hits you need, it's good enough. You don't need to try and fine tune and get get. I know I know some people get all crazy, but why oh, gotta really get these grouping really tight? Okay, why? As long as you're hitting your target, that's what matters. You know, yeah. it's yep. Just ammo your your sport will let you live with. That's yep. Funny, funny thing that came up um, at the match. Uh, guys were talking about, you know, what magnification are you running on this one? What magnification are you running on that one? And I'm like, um, five power. What do you mean five power? Yeah, I saw. Well, I saw. I thought I read that right. Did you run a 1.5 to five scope at that match? Yep, that's what I have. <laughs> I mean, I. I, I I had a, the scope. I've had it for years. I used it for actually. I used it for service rifle. Um, I, you know, I've shot it out to 500 yards with success. But it's this rifle was not built for a precision rifle shoot. That came later. This was a rifle for me to plink with with my kids and to shoot maple seed with. So that's so funny. A 1.5 I mean, to five. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's now. I, I eventually will get a, a better scope um, with more magnification because I realized it would be nice to be able to see where I'm hitting on a target. So then I can further, you know, read my wind. And I, mm-hmm. I just can't do that very at a very far distance with a five power scope. You just can't. But I can resolve an 18 inch wide Ipsic plate at 300. No problem with five power. You don't need massive magnification. But anyway, yeah. it's good enough. Better would be better, but it's what I got for now. So. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, I'm uh, I'm like for three gun. I'm shooting uh, a one to six out to three hundred, out, yeah. out to five hundred. But yeah, I for years I shot my Elcan to five hundred with a fixed three power. Okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. I've never had a problem hitting the center of that target five hundred. So now it's not a really small target either. So finding the middle of a four foot screen isn't that hard. So it's it it works for what it works for. Yeah. Um. Next one we have here, Canada Ammo has a flash sale on Swiss Arms Mags, $200 for 10 Now, this being a flash sale, when was this and is it still on? Uh, it was on yesterday. So, is it still on? It is, yeah. It's their uh, 
black nylon uh, 10 packs and they're $200 for 10. 20 bucks a pop. Cool. That's not bad for Swiss Arms mags. Yeah, Swiss Arms are expensive rifles, so these are inexpensive relatively. Yeah, as long as they work. I mean, any mag, as long as it works, is, is good, right? Oh, I'm curious if... Oh, they still have it in stock. Look at that. They've got some uh, bulk non-corrosive uh, 762 by 39 um, for 349 for 1000 For 1000 uh, so this is pull down. They, hmm. uh, I think what they do is they bring the stuff in from China. They swap out the primers and put all the stuff back in them and uh, call it a day. And uh, that's decently cheap. That's a lot cents of work. Around. Yeah. That's a lot of work, man. Yeah. I, for for whatever they're buying and selling these for us, that's a lot of work. But uh, decent deal. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Crazy. All right. Well, that's all the new gun stuff. We should get over to the main topic, and this is the point where Adriel will edit in our awesome interview with Wolverine Spies. And welcome to the show, Tyson and John from Wolverine. Welcome, gentlemen. Howdy. Thank you. So uh, maybe just for our listeners, uh, why don't you just start off with uh, what is Wolverine Supplies? When did you guys start out, and uh, uh, what's what, what are you guys into these days? That's all you. <laughs> well, we've been running for close to 30 years now. Um, what started as a small business has grown. I think we've got 22 full-time staff now. We import and distribute many lines. Um, we have a large showroom. We have uh, a good website. Um, we supply police and military as well as other dealers. And then uh, recently I've, I've gone into semi-retirement and my son Matt has taken over the day-to-day running of the business and that allowed me to concentrate on new projects. Awesome and uh, one of those new projects is uh, is really exciting and, and one that uh, I know our listeners and I, I'm on the pre-order as well so I'm, I'm interested in it but uh, is the uh, WK180C so um, you guys have uh, have uh, decided to bring that into market. Tell us, um, kind of, what was your what was your goal with that rifle, and uh, what did you want to do to do with it? <laughs> well, the goal was to to market a non restricted, simple, cheap, effective semi automatic rifle. Uh, we'd start with the um, two two three caliber, but obviously that will allow it to go into um, seven six two by thirty nine. And uh, the object right from the beginning was to have a retail price under one thousand Canadian dollars. Yeah, I think that's uh, <laughs> that's that's uh, an incredible thing for uh, for Canadians because we're used to uh, we're used to getting this non restricted tax on all of our uh, all of our fun semi auto <laughs> rifles. Uh, I'm I'm going to jump in there because we've been um, <clears throat> accused of putting a non restricted tax on. Um, that is not not the case with anything that we brought in. Um, it's a question of supply and demand. It's a question of uh, exchange rates and what distributor discounts are allowed in some products. Mm-hmm. And often the margin just isn't there. Yeah. Uh, well, and the other thing that happens with some Canadian uh, firearms is that you have to rebarrel some of them to uh, to a longer barrel length as well to get that non-restricted status. Right. And remember too. The very 
the biggest concept with this, number one priority was um, to keep the price under a thousand. Mm-hmm. So we start talking about color options. Well, as I quoted, just like Henry Ford said, any color you like as long as it's black. Um, what about dust covers on the ejection port? Not for a thousand bucks. You know what? I, I love it. I like the idea of uh, a product that has like a really strong vision in mind and making a, a good, effective rifle for a thousand dollars here in the Canadian market is a, is a really strong vision for a rifle. And I can appreciate, I was going through some of the CGN threads and yeah, there's people asking for this and that and, and the kitchen sink kind of thing on it. And, uh, it was really good to see, like, no, we're sticking to our guns. This is going to be a thousand bucks, and this is what we need to do to get it there. Um, there are some things that you don't want to compromise on, like uh, the accuracy of it and the reliability and the durability of it. And uh, I'd rather those see those like get the focus than uh, a dust cover on the side thing. Like we're the, we're not in World War One conditions out here, you know. Where most of us just take our guns to the range or go hunting or something like that. We're not like slogging through a, a muddy trench or anything, right? <coughs> Uh, what's developed too, because of the priority of, of keeping it to that price point, we had to use a lot of off-the-shelf components, like it uses a standard AR-15 barrel and uh, barrel extension, standard AR-15 trigger. This, in actual fact, finished up giving us a rifle that is quite modular in design. So down the road, people can um, customize this rifle to the heart's content. They can take a $1,000 rifle and use it for plinking all they want, or they can spend another, what, $2,000? Easy. No, and it's been it's been really good in that regard um, with all the testing that we have been doing, putting different components onto it and just playing around with it. I, I had a chance to take it out uh, earlier this year for, I could easily say I burned a couple days of work <laughs> out on the range. But uh, putting, you know, uh, different barrels and everything into it and playing around with it, you can get uh, group size out of everything. I started just getting smaller and smaller with it. It was uh, out of the box with the prototype barrel. We've been getting two MOA or or better. But uh, when you start putting different components and everything into it, you're just going to improve drastically. Yeah, exactly. That was one of the things I was thinking of. Is like, mm, I've got a, I've got a really good barrel I could put on that thing. How do I put, do I put it on right away, or do I see how it shoots first? I think, I, I think I'm gonna aim for like the shoot, seeing how it shoots first, because I shoot three gun, and uh, something like this would be a nice non-restricted three gun gun, and then turn around and you know go plink, plink in the backwoods or uh, uh, go to the gravel pit or whatever, right? So, uh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> One of the recommendations that we're making is to potential customers is not go out there and buy a new trigger and buy a new barrel, a new handguard just yet. Wait till they've got the rifle. Wait until they've seen actually how it performs. Mm-hmm. Um, most of these components should um, interchange and fit, but I can't guarantee anything until we've got the first production guns in our hands. Yeah, of course. And with the differences between you know handguards, triggers, and everything like that going into, uh, into our new receivers, it's going to be it's kind of a toss up until we have it here and we attempt to put that handguard or put that trigger into it. Right. So it can't guarantee everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it'll be, uh, 
be really interesting when it comes in because yeah, triggers, barrels, those are all like really great upgrades that some people won't won't want to do, and they'll just they'll use it as is, and some people will. So um, about about the uh, development process on this thing, so. Uh, there's actually been a couple of uh, companies that have looked at doing a, a 180B. It looks like you guys are going to be out to the uh, to market pretty quick here. Um, tell us about what the development process was like. Well, <clears throat> a lot a lot more simple than I first anticipated because we basically um, reverse engineered, completely copied the AR180B lower receiver. That in itself is a polymer version of the original 180, which was a stamped steel receiver. Uh, when that came into Canada, that was deemed a prohibited firearm. And then Armalite, when Mark Westrom owned Armalite, uh, came up with a concept of making a polymer lower. Um, it was actually pretty good. It had one weak point with the front uh, pivot assembly mm-hmm. would sometimes snap off. It's a shame that hadn't been reinforced with a steel in- insert right from the get-go. Um, that rifle was deemed to be not a variant of the 180. Therefore, the 180B was in itself a non-restricted firearm. So mm-hmm. by co- faithfully copying that, and uh, we've received some criticism from some quarters. Well, we it's very blocky and angular, and why didn't we do this and do the other? Because initially we wanted to make it a straight copy as close as we could um, to the 180B, and I anticipated that just getting an FRT would be a formality, just take a matter of a few days. It would be another, a different manufacturer of the same product. Mm-hmm. Um, And then again, going back to the original concept, it had a stamped steel upper. Um, That's gone back to the days when it was targeted onto developing countries that didn't have the heavy industry to machine uh, rifle components. This was before the days of, you know, CNC machining. So they did this simple stamping. And again, it wasn't bad. It served its purpose. Um, but we modernized that with modern technology, bringing in a CNC machined aluminum upper so that we could have the um, required 1913 right on the top for optic mounting. Yeah, exactly. That was, a, that was a good move because with the original one, you could, like with the, with the 180B, you could get the, uh, the little rail that would go on top there, but uh, it wasn't really as nice as an as a, a integrated rail. No, but you've got to remember that in the day when the original Sterling design came out, optics were, combat optics were in their infancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, it, it would have been sold with the with the idea that you'd use the iron sights on it, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. So what kind of, um, that, that tells us a little bit about how it developed and, and where it is today. Um, what, what kind of... Uh, next steps are you guys looking at in terms of like next versions of the rifle and features that you're going to add and that kind of thing? Um, to be honest, the demand has so surprised us. We haven't been able to do much development in sort of um, different bus stocks and, and such like. Um, we've had to concentrate on pushing production to get um, this basic model turned out. Mm-hmm. Um we will be doing a version in 7.62 by 39. Um, 
we've already got the drawings of a modified lower which would accept an AK-47 mag which could be used in conjunction with the um, 7.62 by 39 upper mm -hmm. um, or we can use the 7.62 by 39 upper on the standard um, lower receiver and use the standard mags which would give um, Canadian um, shooters a option of a 10 round pistol mag. But for our yeah. export market, we're looking to be able to put on the AK-47 Mac. And uh, we've also got under development its big brother, the WK-308A. And uh, this one will be in 308 caliber. Um, basically, all I can <clears throat> tell you now is it's uh, a different concept. We're using the same bolt design and the captive rails the bolt slides on because I'm a great believer in that. I think it adds greatly to the reliability under adverse conditions. Um, how the upper and lower attach is um, totally new. Um, that's all I can say. I hope to be test firing a 308 by the end of this month, but it's going to be probably the middle of next month before we can uh, test fire the first one. And that one is going to have to take a little bit of the back burner and be developed slowly because we mustn't uh, be seen to be pulling resources out of the regular production line yeah. when I have 2,500 customers waiting for the 180. <laughs> oh, I didn't know the list was that long. <laughs> oh, that's huge. Well, I'm, I'm in the first hundred, right? <laughs> Uh, we got the list here. Let's check. Probably, probably not. <laughs> I thought I was fast. I I, I pre-ordered day of, and uh, and I thought I was fast. And it was like the next guy, next day, you guys said like, no, we were we hit our three hundred. It's like, oh, my. I thought like, I thought it was fast. <laughs> we we sold the first thousand units in seventy five hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we're going to handle handle these orders strictly in chronological order. It doesn't matter whether it was a dealer with 10 guns or an individual customer with one. When we come to his name, mm -hmm. um, he gets the choice, take it or leave it, and um, then we go down the list to the next one. And there's a little bit of a myth. People think that uh, because our first order was three and 500 units, that on the appropriate date, 500 guns are going to come through the back door. Well, that's just not going to happen. Um, we will take um, every week's production from Kodiak will be a weekly shipment. The first week, that might only be 10 rifles while I get things set up. Mm -hmm. um, but we should be up to 50, 75, 100 a week. Maybe we'll put a second shift in uh, and crank the output up. But we've got to get those first ones here. And the quality control is going to be number one. If I have a problem and we have to put everything on hold for a day, two days, two weeks, a month, so be it. But uh, we're not going to send a product out that I personally am not 100% happy with. Awesome. Uh, and, and as a consumer, that's really important because you don't want to be the one to get the lemon um, no. that was done you know, late afternoon Friday in a rush. You want the top-notch equipment because that's what you're paying for is something that well, works. The the rifle we, I've been working with, I think we put close to 4,000 rounds through it. Um, I've been out on the range and it's just been boring, just shooting, shooting, shooting. It goes so hot it burns my fingers, so I toss it in the snow while I load the magazines, pick it up, 
and carry on. And the only malfunctions we've had have been from 40 magazines. Yep. <clears throat> and it burned a hole in the upholstery of my truck when I threw it in the back of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I really like the the 180B's action. The uh, like you're mentioning there, those dual uh, overhead rails, the uh, recoil springs on them, and you can see from the number of firearms afterwards that have also decided to go that route that uh, that it must have been a good one because you see it in a lot of uh, a lot of designs afterwards. It's uh, it's a really good robust design, and uh, and you don't have to do a buffer tube uh, at the back, right? So gives you some folding options and whatnot. Now, the, the buttstock on, our, um, on the 180 has what appears to be a buffer tube, but that was simply the cheapest buttstock we could put on there. Mm-hmm. And again, came back, come back to that concept, we had to do it for $1,000. Yeah, and if you want to, you could take a like one of those buffer tube uh, folding adapters and, and pop that on there. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Any buttstock that um, uses a, um, a buffer tube thread, could be put on there, or even we want to develop a different um, buttstock adapter at the end of the receiver, which would take other proprietary buttstocks. Yeah. And I'm certain shortly after these, like uh, after the first couple hundred production guns start hitting the, the countryside here, I'm sure there'll be tinkerers and guys with CNC machines and 3D printers, and they'll be working on adapters for sure. Yeah. I, was, I was talking to another Canadian company today to see if they're interested in developing a folding stock uh, for this rifle, because as I say, we've got to concentrate our efforts on um, mm-hmm. production, not experimenting. Mm. Yeah, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, and it's encouraging to know that there's an aftermarket sort of already gearing up, because like you say, a lot of us like to tinker and adjust and make things custom. So yeah, that that's a good thing for sure. Yeah, there's we right after the announcement, we were contacted by quite a few different. Um, either individuals or companies looking to, to, to get started on uh, these accessories on our prototype rifle, which we're still waiting on our production guns. So <laughs> they're, they're right on to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, you, you mentioned about, you know, re- we've talked about replacing barrels. Um, do you, have you established where like your gas port needs to go? Is, is that, that, is that going to be one of the standard like mid length rifle length, or is that going to be adjusted? Cause you know, it's one thing but, to say uh, that it'll... Um, we, we started off with uh, a short gas system that I th- thought looked ugly, and I wanted to go to the medium-length system just so it looked more proportional, more balanced. Um, but we finished up getting such great accuracy from the short system, and I'm concerned that if we went to a longer system, we could um, the accuracy could deteriorate. We might spend a lot of time having to fine-tune the development of a longer system. So we um, had a change of plan and we went back to stay with the short system. Um, but we certainly will be experimenting with a medium-length system, you know, in the future. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that, that medium-length so with say, the, uh, 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 the mid-length uh, gas system on an AR, like the equivalent? Sorry, could you repeat that? Would, would the shorter length one that you guys are working on is that a carbine length gas system uh like on an ar uh that same length or is it mid-length or rifle no it's it would be the short carbine Carbine. not short pistol okay so we've got here we have an 18.7 inch barrel Mm -hmm. with a um short gas system 
where the gas block goes on, it's um, 0.75 diameter, so it's um, a standard. Yeah. We use the standard um, AR-15 uh, barrel extension. Um, the bolt has to be different because with the bolt carrier from the original 180, um, but using a different barrel extension that's longer, we had to develop our own new bolt. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. And, you know, you couldn't use an AR bolt because it's uh, uh, camming on a different surface, right? That's right. We'd love to have used the, the, um, the AR-15 bolt because that's one of the single most expensive components. And had we been able to go to an off-the-shelf bolt, even if we discarded the gas rings, it would have worked well. But no, as you say, the, the cam hole is in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, Brian, did you have any other questions about the uh, 180? I didn't really have any any other questions. Um, I did. You had made a, a comment about the you know the the blockiness of the receiver and and the upper. And when I handled the rifle at at TACCOM, I kind of liked that. It it kind of helped distinguish it from an AR. It's it's not as refined a firearm, but it's kind of comforting to use something kind of that that simple and robust and no nonsense. I I. I'm I'm into lightweight rifles, but I like that feel. It was it was kind of cool. So I think you're onto something there. I think it's a it's a utility rifle. Yeah. We didn't we didn't set out to design a, a graceful sporting rifle, and I didn't want it to be all rails and gizmos like um, most modern military type. Yeah, exactly. That's very different from those. Very cool. Yeah, I mean we're we're really excited about the uh, the WK one eighty C, and uh, it seems like a lot of other Canadians are too. <laughs> Your guys' list is that long, holy! <laughs> yeah, I guess it's that just been, uh, busy couple months. <laughs> yeah, I shall I shall sleep well when the first hundred are out there and everybody's uh, you know raving their enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I think it, it just talks to the, the pent-up demand there is in Canada for, uh, for a rifle uh, that let, has those kinds of features and is at that price point. I mean, um, when, I th- when I think about other rifles out there that are at, at about 1000 bucks, there's, there's not really a lot. I mean, you can get a, what, like a Norinco T97 or something like that, but that's not at all the same thing. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not going to say anything negative about anything else I, I just say good things about my rifle <laughs> yeah yeah no it's uh it's definitely uh been well received and uh, i think canadians are looking forward to it um maybe um maybe before we uh, we go too far here um i i, I got a chance to, to mess around with your guys' fx9 that you guys are bringing in as well and uh super impressed with that thing um really like the receiver on it uh tyson have you have you seen the fx9 yet yeah, you betcha. We had um, we actually had it in last year when we submitted it to the uh, the RCMP lab, mm-hmm. and uh, before we did submit it there, I managed to uh, to steal it out of the office here and uh, get it out onto the range for a few days. And playing around with it, we were using primarily I was using X Metal 124, mm-hmm. uh, but it ate up at about I think I probably put about five five six hundred rounds through it, and it didn't have a hiccup the entire time. Uh, you know, it wasn't doing any accuracy testing or anything like that. We were just mm-hmm. shooting steel 25 meters, 30 meters, but, uh, all different mags worked well. The KCI ones were a little bit picky, but I kind of give that to KCI mags. Yeah. Uh, mag and Glock mags work perfectly. And yeah, the trigger is a, just a regular mil spec trigger. So again, it's nothing to rave about, but for 
899. It's the exact same concept as the uh, the WK. If you want to improve it, you can. Yeah, and and bring in that good basic product at a at a yeah. really good price. Um, I think a lot of uh, I think that's going to be the PCC to beat. I mean, the the JR Carbine was uh, was really good. Um, I think the the FX9. I really like uh, the magazine release on it. The fact it takes Glock mags, the uh, compactness of the receiver is all really really nice. Yeah, everything on it is just dead simple. There's it's another no nothing fancy to it. The handguard that actually comes on them is uh, I believe it's a UTG handguard. Mm-hmm. So it's it's actually quite nice right off right out of the box. Um, grip and grip and everything uh, is just generic so again it's uh upgradable quite easily yeah i think that's fine i think a lot of guys want to like want to play lego with their guns and uh, and dress them up for for you know whatever they might want to do so they want to uh be able to change them around be able to swap things out so if they're going to do that anyways you know put the put the basic stuff on there there's the mil spec yeah. stuff and uh if they want to just leave it on there great and if they want to like upgrade it as they go which i think a lot of people do uh, like to do fantastic you know they're throwing away a uh you know like a ten dollar grip instead of like a, a 30 or 40 dollar grip right yeah well I, I can't count the amount of a2 grips and flash hiders i actually have <laughs> i think they multiply in bins oh <laughs> uh, yeah i've got a i've got a bunch of uh carbine stocks sick sitting in a, a bin over here and a2s and grips and yeah, every every time it's the same thing. I get the gun, it's like, oh, I'm gonna replace this with the MOE now, and I'm gonna throw this this stock on instead. <laughs> yeah, uh, honestly, I could buy rifles without grips and butt stocks. It would be fine because I'm just <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just gonna be stuff crazy, taking uh, up space. It's crazy amount of the amount of requests we actually do get uh, for a rifle, and they say, well, you, will you give me you know a couple bucks off if you keep the grip and the stocks? It'll be the same price. I'll keep the stock and grip. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll fit in a smaller box to ship out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. Uh, I, I think that philosophy is uh, has got some real merit to it, and I think uh, I think a lot of Canadians appreciate the philosophy of a, a good, solid product that you can upgrade along the way. That's at an excellent price. It's. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I can see the vision there, and I can see where uh, why so many Canadians would uh, would like to have it. Um, so maybe just before we wrap up here. Um, Take, take a minute, uh, plug what you guys got. Uh, where can people find out more about these two firearms and find out more about Wolverine? Well, uh, the best, actually, the probably the best place to find out about us is going to be our website because it's got everything. But we're we're super heavy on uh, you know Canadian gun nuts. We're always there. Uh, Reddit, Facebook. We, I think I have a Twitter account. I'm not sure. I don't use that one much. <laughs> Reddit's more fun. <laughs> But uh, we'll definitely be putting any updates uh, as long as uh, as we go along here with the WK and the FX9 too. Uh, anything that we do are doing, we'll definitely be putting any updates on uh, CGN. That's going to be our where we're going to be doing our big announcements. Of course, Facebook and Reddit are right, right along with it. Um, so we'll, I think we're getting our prototype back here shortly, right? Right. Yes. And um, production still looks good to be turning out the first rifles later this month but we're still waiting on some subcomponents to be delivered and some raw materials so mm. it's uh, a bit of a nervous time right now hoping that everybody lives up to their promises yeah yeah well it's always yeah. tough in development of something like this right anytime you're, you're working on a large project with lots of uh, lots of balls in the air there's always a possibility of a, of a date slip but uh 
um, you know, that's 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 doing a big project. I think one of the things that you guys did that uh, that was really mind blowing off the start is um, you guys' CGN threads had a ton of detail. This wasn't like a mysterious reveal. It was like here's all the detail on this thing, and by the way, here's one with like an FAQ, and we're going to answer everything. And that that was uh, that was a crazy amount of transparency to do. Uh, right off the hop, and uh, I think it was uh, super encouraging that you guys were were open like that. It's one of the one of the sort of uh, key premises of operating this business. We've always been upfront with everybody. Um, we built this business on customer service, and one of the first things I've told anybody that's come to work for me is, you know, just treat other people how you'd like to be treated. Hmm. People like to be kept informed. Um, if we can't meet a promised delivery date, I want to get to the customer and tell them first before they phone me and say, where the hell is my rifle? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so answering all those questions right from the get-go, um, I, I think was key to the success of this. And one thing that you actually, you mentioned there to, to work here, it's one of the first things that I was asked when I was started. Well, I guess I wasn't asked. I was told I'm not smart enough to lie. So don't get caught in one. (laughs) (laughs) It's better to be upfront about things. So with, with all the, everything with the WK, it's one launch. There's your, there's your info and we can pick it apart from here. And we can basically, if anyone comments on anything we do, we're reading those comments and we're going through everything and everything gets cataloged and we're, we're keeping, um, we're keeping an eye on everything cause we want to know everyone's opinion about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy amount of transparency. Really appreciated guys. And, uh, thank you very much for, uh, for taking some time out of your busy days to, uh, to do this interview with us. Yeah. No problem. Thank you for having us. All right. Thanks guys. All right. All right. Bye. And we're back. That was a really fun interview. I'm, I'm, excited about this rifle um i think it's going to be a solid performer i'm just trying to think of something weird to throw the live listeners off (laughs) but i'm not going to do it yeah no the uh no the interview was great um i really um i really agree with the philosophy that uh that they're going with and uh i really agree with how they're choosing to develop uh that rifle so um I would say I'm I'm excited. I've already got I've already pre-ordered, so I put my money where my mouth is and uh, can't wait for it. Yeah, cool. Uh, just out of curiosity, uh, outside of three gun, what are you going to use it for? Shooting are coyotes. you even going to use it for shooting three, coyotes? Three. Shooting coyotes. Okay. Yeah, because cool. um, when I call coyotes in, I'll uh, I'll call one or more. So like one to uh, the most I've seen is three, and with a bolt uh, with a bolt gun, number two and number three are a little bit tricky. Because yeah. uh, they 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 tend to run when you shoot them, so Funny. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You shoot one of them in the face, and the other two are like they don't stick around and, and try to figure out what's going on. So a semi-automatic would be excellent, and especially one that's uh, that's decently accurate. So if I can uh, if I can get something that's varmint level accuracy, I will uh, be tickled because that's uh, that's really what I want to use that thing for. Cool. Now, when you say varmint level accuracy, what what are you kind of thinking of I that. need like an inch and a half or an inch at uh, at 100 meters but like one right. MOA somewhere around mm-hmm. there right. and I, I can use that to engage coyotes at uh, two 300 yards which is really typical for me like a lot of guys will, will hunt these will hunt coyotes uh, in close at about 100 yards um, where I hunt 
uh, it, it's mostly open fields, so I need that two, three hundred yard uh, capacity to uh, to take them. And uh, three hundred yards with something that's two MOA or three MOA isn't really good enough. So I need something that's uh, no, one and a half or sure. or one ideally. Now, are you going to put one of the brass catchers on so you can uh, catch your nicely prepared brass that you're going to use? Because I'm assuming you're not used to using the cheapest bulk ammo to get nope. to shoot coyotes. No, the cheapest bulk ammo tends to be FMJ and will probably just poke a hole through. So I'll probably need to use something better. No, I'd, I'd, uh, I don't care about one or two cases. So I'd be okay with that. It's when you, when you're shooting a three gun match and you, and you have to blaze off like 50, 50 rounds and 50 cases just go off into the grass that, uh, it just hurts a little bit. So you, you use a brass catcher for three gun? Really? No, I don't. Oh, okay. I, I throw them into the oh, grass. Yeah, I use my blaster ammo. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. My, my, I'm wrong. I apologize. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm curious. Well, I'm, I'll be curious to hear about like your load development techniques and what ammo you use in that rifle to, uh, to kind of suck down the, the, uh, the group size and stuff. So, well, I mean, if I have to, if I have to change barrel, if I have to change barrels to get to that one MOA, if, if that's the, the what I have to do, cool. That, like no problem. It, a, a new barrel is not an expensive component for an AR, and uh, put it, uh, if if that's what I have to do, I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, and we know a guy who makes barrels. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking of I have my Savage Ten TR in three hundred eight. Uh, does he do do Savage Prefit? I think he might. I was watching right that video of um, uh, Ryan on on how he makes his barrels, and there there's some video on YouTube that has like uh, like hundreds of thousands of views, and it's it's Ryan like showing uh, showing the guy around the shop. It was really cool to see um, kind of some of the equipment and and, and that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I'm curious to know if he's if he runs those savages because what I'd be curious about is. Uh, rebarreling my Savage to 6.5 Creedmoor in a little bit lighter weight uh, of a profile because right now it's like a really heavy barrel profile. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd be curious about like a medium, like just not heavy barrel, not light, just like medium weight um, in a in a 6.5 Creedmoor because that would be killer for PRS. Well, you know what? Just uh, just message him or email him or something, and uh, he will give you the straight dope on that stuff and. Um, I'm pretty sure they're set up for doing savage hmm. stuff. Yeah, I, pr- yeah, pretty sure. Cool. Um, shouldn't be a, shouldn't be a problem for him at all. So, and you, you know, you're basically so close, you can almost drive over and pick it up and come back. You know, it's what ten hours for you, something like that. <laughs> Where is he based out of? Vancouver, somewhere. Oh yeah, that's like sixteen on a good day, but yeah, put it in the mail. Eh, we'll see. Yeah, see what happens. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, let's get into listener feedback. I will. Uh, I'll take the first one here from Crypto Miner. Hey guys and Kelly, I love the podcast and I have been listening to the show since its very beginning. I enjoy the camaraderie on the show and your refreshing views on current events. I would like to support the podcast. Have you guys considered adding a privacy cryptocurrency address to your website? This way, like-minded libertarians and listeners who 
care about privacy could support the podcast with a donation using a privacy cryptocurrency such as Monero and Bitcoin private. This would require no change to the website except posting your public wallet address on the support page and 100% of the donations would be yours with no third party involved. Same technology could could be added to the CCFR website and brochures for quick and easy private donations. The community appreciates the great work you are all doing. Cheers. Thanks, Crypto Miner. I have no idea about cryptocurrency. Not my not my bailiwick. What, what about you, Adriel? Are you up on cryptocurrency? Yeah, I'm using some of it. Um, but, uh, hmm. 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 Sounds like some work, though. And I don't want to do more work on crypto donations or whatever. Hmm. I'm going to leave it in your hands because I'm just a temp. I have no power <laughs> over this stuff. So, yeah. No sounds way. hard. Gonna, sounds hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. It sounds to me like it's something you assign to somebody who's not me. So, <laughs> it doesn't sound that hard to me. <laughs> okay. Trevor. Figure out this uh, cryptocurrency thing, uh, will you? When you were listening to this episode, could you uh, figure out uh, cryptocurrency? Just like make a blockchain for it. Yeah, make that happen. All right, you want to take the next one? Sure. From Russ. First of all, I want to begin with the fact that I enjoy Slamfire Radio and have great respect for Trevor. I disagree with Trevor's view on lead restrictions, whether in Canada or the U.S., whether bomb stocks or lead, the socialists are doing whatever they can to erode our gun rights. One compromise at a time, they are compromising our human and civil rights to take away our gun rights and self-protection. Self-protection is a God-given right and does not have borders and concerns all of us. I've seen my rights eroded one small compromise at a time, and it has to stop. The excuse that it does not affect me is not the mentality that is going to protect our rights, but compromises them. The lead protection restrictions are not for health protection, but just part of the socialist agenda to achieve total control of our gun rights. Please, Trevor, don't compromise my rights by protect. Don't compromise my rights to protect your rights, as this is how the socialist agenda of divide and conquer is based. By the way, brass prep does suck. Sorry about the rant, but thought this needed to be said. Still, you love ya, uh, Russ from Big Lake, Alaska. Yeah, yeah. I- <clears throat> I, I'm not going to really defend Trevor, but I don't think that Trevor was all, yay, let's ban light. I don't it was just think like, I heard him say that. If, if, and uh, we are resigned to the fact that it's happening, uh, here's what I would do. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah, I would rather gotta, have the option. I would rather have the option for uh, all of the above hunting, target shooting, everything. Um, yeah. Because lead is better for some things. And, uh, I mean, if you take precaution, like, if they said, hey, <laughs> hey, you guys, stop poisoning the eagles, I would do some stuff to stop that. Yeah, I, I know. I, I do find that some of their claims about eagles dying from eating, you know, gut piles from hunted animals. I, I'm sorry, but I, I'm not seeing that there's enough animals in North America being hunted that eagles are going to be really that's going to be a big source of lead for them. I just, well, I just don't. Not in Canada. I was, I was talking with another guy. Oh, I can't even remember where that conversation was. And he was saying like the amount of elk that'll come out of like Montana uh, is huge. Like tens of thousands of elk are hunted in, in, in just the state of Montana. 
Um, so like the volume might be there, but yeah, there, there's there definitely needs to be like a risk uh, analysis on like how like what's what's the real risk? Um, how much of it is due to this? And uh, you know what's the what's the cost benefit analysis look like? Well, and and how much lead is still being left? Like you're not shooting an animal in theory in the gut. You're you're shooting it in in other places. Like how much lead is being left at a you know after you got an animal? I just yeah. I, I can't see it being all that much. Well, it like, depends on I, the cartridge. It depends on on where you hit them. Like. If like the worst possible case scenario would be running something like a 300 Win Mag with a 150 grain uh, regular core and and uh, uh, lead core, lead yeah. core right, and that that would cause a, a bunch of that, that 150 grains. There wouldn't be a lot left at the end of it because hit from close range, that thing's just going too fast for that kind of construction, right? Um, but if you were to look at like a 180 grain uh, lead bullet in a 308, not that much. It's that's heavy. It's yeah. slow. It's uh, it's packs a punch when it hits, and it doesn't slough off a lot of that lead. Yeah. No. No. I and it, yeah. And honestly, I would for hunting personally, I would almost just as soon go with a copper for most. You know, for hunting big game. You know, it's just you're not using a lot of ammo, and, and and there's nothing there. Now, I did used to shoot waterfowl, and certainly hunting with other than lead didn't work as well. Yeah. Hunting with steel good. sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's, so, not, it's, it's not, so uh, slow and you have to go with like huge, uh, uh, yeah. BBs compared to what you used to, to be able to get away with, with lead. And, uh, it's just not even close to as good, uh, no. but it's what we use now. Now we just yeah, wound, more, yeah. wound more ducks and geese, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, I did find that, that that section of the article where it said that, you know, the alternatives work as well or better than lead. Well, no. No, really not even close. <laughs> no. There, there was a bunch of falsehoods in that in that particular uh, article. Anyway. All right. Yeah. Let's not beat that particular lead horse again. Um, next one from Berent. How do you pronounce that? Berent? Berent. Berent. Okay, cool. Thanks. Uh, hey, guys and gal. Hello from Manitoba. I found your podcast a month or two ago and have been listening as I can. Mostly your podcast in my car or work truck, but a couple of times on YouTube. I've been enjoying it quite a bit and was super happy to find a Canadian firearms podcast with Canadian content. It's been great to learn some more about the broader firearms community across Canada and a more in-depth education about a lot of issues we as a community face across the country. Through listening to your podcast and especially episode 250 with Tracy, I finally decided to join the CCFR and I help support and help support one of our firearms organizations as well as making a pledge on Slamfire's Patreon. I was also seriously considered making the trip out to take part in one or more of the Ferlachi handgun courses since I believe I could greatly benefit for some proper instruction instead of muddling through learning from the friends and on YouTube. So if you could if you would be able to email me the course schedule and costs and that's so that I can see if I can afford taking the time off and afford the transit costs. Thanks. Anyway, thank you for your podcast. And I look forward to listening more in the future. Is, are there spaces left for this year's Falachi? I forget. Uh, the one in Manit- uh, the one in New Brunswick or the one in Alberta. Cause Alberta, there's yeah. room. Yeah, and if this guy's in Manitoba, yeah, you can, you can drive out to. Now, now, the place in Alberta that we're uh, hosting this at is actually quite far east in uh, in Alberta, so it's not bad to get to. Um, you can take Highway 16 from 
Manitoba, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and just kind of cruise right through. Um, like we said, there's camping there. I believe it's $200 a day and there's camping and whatnot available, uh, on site and it's July 14th and 15th. So yeah, it's like three, 400 rounds for the weekend, something like that. Lots. Bring lots. Bring lots. Lots yep. is good. Yeah. All right. Next one. I got it. Uh, from Derek. Good day. I'm a fairly new listener to your podcast, but I've enjoyed every episode I've watched. I've heard Adriel talk a couple times about having moved his videos to the Pornhub website. After explaining to one of your fellow hosts that I had tried for hours and hours while trying to explain to my wife that it's hunting videos I was looking for, I was not able to find the content. His advice was to ask Adriel for an explanation on the next podcast. I and my marriage, thank you for your help. Do you think he was really looking for my content? Is this a cover, this this I, email that he's sending? I, I, but I think he is a brother or husband and we need to help him out. So okay. All right. uh, where do you find your stuff on Pornhub? Uh, Pornhub.com forward slash users forward slash hunting gear guy. Cool. And it's great. still up. <laughs> they haven't banned it yet. <laughs> I'm waiting for Pornhub to decide that the gun owners are too controversial for them and they can't, they can't have them. <laughs> anyway alright uh, from Mark Price hello Slamfire Radio team and Brian I guess <laughs> last week Trevor was talking about the Ronnie DeGroot Steel Challenge and how it's turning into a big event with many people not knowing who Ronnie DeGroot is while I did not know Ronnie before going to this event last year, I really appreciate the kind words that Trevor had for him and the effect he has had on the shooting snowmobile community. Slash, sorry, shooting slash snowmobile community. Not a community of people who shoot snowmobiles. No, that's not right. This was my first gun competition ever and was the event to give me the competition bug. Mm. So while I never knew Ronnie DeGroote, I will never forget him. May his legacy continue as this event continues to grow. Cheers to Ronnie. I actually did a shot. Mark Price. P.S. My plan was to beat Brian this year, but since he bailed on the event, I guess I'll have to settle with beating Trevor again. Ooh, <laughs> Fighting words. Ah, nice. <laughs> All right. You want to take okay. the next one from yeah. Mr. Bork? Yes, I've got the one from James. Hey, Slamfire listeners, just wanted to tell you, Trevor definitely knows Victoria's secret. Write in and take a guess on what you think it could be. Keep your stick in a vice. P.S. A little bit of danger will keep you on your toast. Awesome. I don't need to know what any of that means. I, it's, <laughs> it seems like it's in code. <laughs> and I'm good with not knowing the password. Okay. Uh, from Sharp97, I was wondering why you, Trevor, didn't just use a jam nut or washer or similar option. And um, this is in reference to the flash hider on Trevor's kitty cat DPMS build. Also, I don't want to hear any more complaining about how Frosty got a sandwich. The swarma you and Matthew got should have covered that phenomenon Ooh, the phenomenon with the fan in it i like it uh yeah well done good to hear from you guys from time to time missing caffeinated matthew Who, who's matthew i don't do, I don't caffeinated matthew caffeinated mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not, not sure caffeinated matthew caffeinated matthew he continues p.s trevor i really liked your go button moment about teachers being armed i also like the libertarian one but don't have anything to add 
I find in today's soundbite news, our arguments have become the same and things that should be spoken out are being assumed by one side or the other. PPS, Trevor, when you're, when are you getting a Jericho 941? You said something about duty pistols, and I happen to think this one is very underrated. Quite common here, but not really talked about. Hmm. Yeah, I yeah, the Jericho doesn't get a lot of love. No, it really doesn't. No, for what it is, it's, it doesn't. No, it's a it's a CZ, but different, basically. Oh, the right? steel one you can get is really cheap. Like the price is incredible on it. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no aftermarket support for it, right? Like. Not a lot, no. No. Ah, well. Anyway, if you would like to email the show, send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. iTunes reviews. We have some. You want to take this one? Sure. The author is always late to the party. Store Canada, five stars. Title is Craziness at Its Best. Review. Tune in for a hand gunneling good time and many laughs. Tune in to hear about small animals being shot in the face. Hey, they were asking for it. No clowns permitted, but a bag of dicks and glitter bombs are welcome. Yeah, awesome. I'm good with not having received any of those. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't. I I got your address. No, nope. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. All right, cool. Uh, we're just about done. Shoutouts. Adriel, have you got any shoutouts this week? Nope. Oh, awful. Okay, I'm going to uh, give a shout-out to all the shooters, and, the, and especially the staff who were at the Precision Rimfire event this past weekend. I really felt bad for the staff, because at least us shooters got to shoot and have fun in the cold. The staff were just being staff and doing staff things and doing it well. So uh, hat off to you gentlemen. Now that I'm in the warm house, I wouldn't take my hat off during the event because it was cold. That wasn't smart. So, Patreon supporters, we are up to. Oh, has this been updated? I don't think this has been updated since. So we don't have anything new news on Patreon. Um, I just sent out a bunch of patches. Uh, so if you were a Patreon uh, before the weekend, it's on its way. After the weekend, I'll get to it. Cool. Uh, and if you would like to support the show, go to uh, www.patreon.com forward slash slamfire radio. We appreciate the support. And Kelly did ask for lawyers, guns, and money. And lawyers and guns and money all cost money. So, <laughs> Patreons, we need, we need some support. If you want to see Kelly come back, dig deep. Yeah, that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right, cool. Listeners, uh, please join one or more of our national firearms associations, such as the CCFR or the CSSA, or anybody else who you think might be helpful. Check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. Like us on Facebook. And that's it. Good night. Good night, everybody. See you next week. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun. Dear Trevor, I'm doing this email as an audio file because I know 
that you'd beep it up if you tried to read it. As you know, I went to the Calgary Gun Show. It sucked. Besides seeing Ryan Stacy and Yolanda, it was a sea of savage Model 99 lever actions. My sense of despair vanished when I finally got to the last booth, the CCFR booth. As I was standing there chatting with Jason Philp and Tango Griff, I suddenly started to get hot. I was wondering what the beep was going on when all of a sudden the clouds opened up, harps started playing, birds started chirping, and a blindingly beautiful angel appeared right before my eyes. My heavenly experience of shock was interrupted when she said, Hey big boy, would you like me to sign your calendar? Um, yes please Yolanda, that would be awesome. Then she asked me how the show was, and I said, eh, it sucked. Then she says to me, you know who else sucks? Well, a giant lump appeared in my throat. My mind was off racing in left field. Um, Miss Hoover, I replied. No, silly, Trevor sucks. I laughed, she laughed, the spray tan machine laughed, she shot the spray tan machine, Jason took our picture. My day was complete. Anyways, everything is a competition and I won. I'm also wondering if any of my Facebook friends are trying to request your friendship. Your are all blowing up my friend request feed. Anyways, on a more serious note, I snagged some black box custom stickers for you, and we'll send them off tomorrow. Have a great day, Mr. Uzi.